guys, it's Amanda and Michaela, and this is Crime in the Dark. Welcome. So um, welcome back. Uh, this week is my episode, and I'm doing an old school mor- murder, Moida, a Moida, Moida, old school Moida. So yeah, it'll be kind of fun. I think, well, kind of fun. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> We're already starting this off really good. Uh, it's okay. We're all here for the true crime factor of it, and you know it exactly. And sorry, but I'm kind of in a giggly mood, so here we are. We just talked about some folklore right before we started editing, not editing, um, <laughs> recording this. So yeah, it's good. It's good. But yeah. Um, okay. So this week I am doing a requested episode. Um, my little sister actually, Amber, had sent in the request for the Black Dahlia. Dahlia. So I figured I would cover it because it's a it's an old one. It's, a, it's something that's never been solved, and it's it's one of Hollywood's biggest murder mysteries. So I like it. Cool. All right, so I'm gonna take us back, <laughs> as they all heard that raper. <laughs> of course, everybody just ripped their headphones out of their ears and hit the unfollow button so quickly. You're welcome. For those of you that are still here, <laughs> it's 10 a.m. on a Monday, January 15th, 1947. Betty Bursinger who's a local housewife, was walking down Norton Avenue in L.A. when she saw something in an empty lot on the street. Bursinger said that she thought it was a mannequin because the body was so white, but when she realized what she was looking at was actually a severed corpse, she ran like the Dickens. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. To contact the authorities. Um, The body that Betty Bursinger had stumbled upon was later found out as Elizabeth Short or more known more famously as the Black Dahlia. Her body was split in half at the waist, and pieces of her flesh had been cut away from her body. And while she was severely mutilated, there was no blood anywhere. So that was a huge suggestion that she was killed at a different site, and her body was dropped there. And it had also been thoroughly cleaned. Her whole body did. Like, there wasn't any blood on her. There wasn't any on the scene. There wasn't any on her. They, whoever did it, knew what they were doing. Um, it's also probably cleaning up evidence, fingerprints, hair, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. So, um, but she was positioned at the spot on Norton Avenue. The LAPD actually contacted the FBI to help identify Elizabeth Short's fingerprints. Oh, my God. I totally messed up. By her fingerprints, they were able to <laughs> identify that it was Elizabeth Short. Uh, so... Short's prints had actually appeared twice in the FBI's massive collection. At that point in 1947, there was more than 100 million on file, Hmm. which is crazy to me in 1947. Well, if we remember when we did the Lizzie Borden case, yeah, they were just starting to come out in Europe. That's right. In the 18, late 1800s of fingerprint databasing and yeah. everything. Yeah. So... But in their like, own way. It just blows my mind because you look at the time, the the year, and you're just like, wait, what? You had that many? How did you have that many? I don't understand how you have that many. Um, Probably from the fact of criminals, um, anything you did, plus a federal government, state government, and stuff like that. Like, yeah, you do nowadays. Yeah, definitely. So at first, 
They first appeared because she had applied for a job as a clerk at the commissary of the Army's Camp Cook in California in January of 1943. See? Um, so she, yeah, she had to definitely get fingerprinted for that. Secondly, little Miss uh, Elizabeth Short had been arrested by the Santa Barbara police for underage drinking in August of the same year. See? So the Bureau also had her mugshot, which we'll put up on our Instagram. I found a couple um, different things to put up there, like a newspaper article that was released about the whole case and a police bulletin where they were asking if anybody had seen or heard anything. So they provided it to the press and an autopsy was performed on Short's body on January 16th, 1947. So the next morning. Marks on her body suggested that the woman had been bound and tortured, and her official cause of death was cerebral hemorrhaging and shock. So she was what they think was that she was hit in the head and then was alive for the splitting of in half <clears throat> and or the, the flesh being peeled. Yeah, sorry guys. Sorry to just lay it out there like that. Gosh, no trigger warning? No, not today. So yeah, that's pretty brutal. Um, the police sent out the bulletin, like I was talking about, in the hopes of finding out more information about the victim. And eventually some details about her were uncovered. She moved to Los Angeles in July of 1946 and had worked as a waitress. She basically was trying to be an actor, like everybody that moved to Hollywood back in those days. She had rented a room behind the Florentine Gardens nightclub on Hollywood Boulevard. And as news about Shore's murder began to circulate, newspapers started referring to her as the Black Dahlia, mostly because of her striking black hair and black clothing she wore. So in any pictures that they showed, it was she had dyed black hair and she always wore like a lot of black. Hmm. Um, so the story of the Black Dahlia made headlines for weeks. And about two weeks later, on January 24th, a suspicious manila envelope addressed to the Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers was discovered. The envelope included a letter using cutout words from newspaper clippings that said, here is Dahlia's belongings. Why? It's a taunting thing. I don't know why I'm saying why, because it is a taunting thing. Zodiac did it, and so did a couple others, because they wanted the uh btk did it too yeah they want that attention and that fear factor yeah they're like oh you gotta catch me if you can the zodiac killer yeah i mean with his cryptid messages that we still can't unfucking solve Mm -hmm. uh, they think they have but at the same time it's been so long there's no leads anymore no there's no leads like we need to figure out a different way of doing it but yeah it's like you said, it's literally a taunting thing. It is. They're just like, oh, look at me. Ha, ha. So um, inside the envelope were her birth certificate, business cards, photographs, names written on pieces of paper, and an address book. All of the contents of the envelope have been cleaned with gasoline, and they think it was the same thing that was used to clean her body. Cleaned with gasoline? Mm-hmm. I know. It's like interesting. Super interesting. Like, I don't know. Huh. I don't know if it was just because like you could wipe it and it would give like that smell it'll like cover things. Ooh. I don't know. I don't think that would be like the greatest way to clean a body. I'm not saying that we should all go out there and find out, but I don't think gasoline would <laughs> be that shit's expensive, okay? <laughs> Nowadays, yeah. Come no, on. thank you. So this led authorities to believe that the letter was definitely from her killer. 
So police went through her address book and contacted approximately 75 men. Lord. Right? Little Miss Elizabeth Short over here. <laughs> um, from her address book. But the majority of the men claimed to have only known her briefly. Which I'm like, so I wonder if it was just like Hollywood connections or it could be hookups. Who knows? You know? Whatever. We're not here to, to shame anybody. You do you. They don't... It's one of those things you don't know what was going back, going on back in that day. Exactly. You, it's Hollywood. Hollywood has always been expensive. Oh, yeah. You got to do what you got to do to make money. You don't know. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I said we're not, we're not claiming anything, but I'm like, oh, girl. Um, so due to the nature of the precise cuts on her body, because remember, she had been split in half at the abdomen and things were cleaned and it was a precise incisions. They suspected somebody in the medical field could have been the killer, and the police served a warrant to the USC Medical School, which was located close to where her body had been found. But after several interviews and background checks, they were still no closer. They were still no closer to solving the case. So, the LAPD was having a hell of a time of it, and the FBI ran records on potential suspects and conducted interviews across the nation. Like, any suspects that happened to come on the radar, like, there were so many. So many that just came up and, like, they investigated every single one of them. They helped any way they could. It was, you know, for the 40s, that's pretty big that's... with having, like, that much connection across the nation. Not like what we have now. Exactly. So, it they, they did great for what they had. Yeah. That's, like, exactly. Which is, I mean, that's a lot for, for LAPD to do. Compared <laughs> to what you hear in other stories, right? Yes. They're like, you guys didn't fumble this one. Good job. <laughs> Cold star. So based on early suspicions that the murderer may have had skills in dissection because the body was so cleanly cut, agents were also asked to check out a group of students at the University of Southern California Medical School. And in a tantalizing potential break of the case, they also had, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a part. Yeah, forgot the whole last sentence there. So they did do another group of students, and they were all rolled out, too. Nobody in there had, there was nobody. So they're they're hitting all these walls. There's just nothing. They're like, well, what do we do? We've got an envelope that says, here's her belongings. We have her body. That's it. That's mm-hmm. That's all we have. And we have suspects that people have mm-hmm. said oh it could be them it could be that and i mean they're but they don't have the original crime scene they have no DNA. no way they have and if you check out like the wikipedia on the black dahlia was where i got a lot of this information and also um the fbi pages i was able i was on their website going through their stuff too but the wikipedia there is pages of pages of different people that was accused and what hey who might be who might not be there was men and women on this list which we'll get into a second but so in a tantalizing potential break in the case the bureau searched for a match to fingerprints found on the anonymous letter that may have been sent to authorities by the killer but the prints weren't in the fbi files so they found a fucking fingerprint on the envelope but it wasn't in their files. So they one piece of evidence. Yeah. That they could not put together. And from what I've gathered is that fingerprint 
can't be re because it's been so long like it's not okay because i was gonna ask have they reattempted to enter into codis now not that i'm aware of but from what i've read in a couple places in you know, you never know. They could just be saying that people don't actually know the facts. And so here I am not actually knowing the facts. But from what I've gathered is the fingerprint might have like kind of, I guess, lack of better wording, disintegrated or it's not as readable or something. But you don't know. So they might, we might have the technology to actually do it. Like you said, the CODIS and see what happens. That's where I, my curiosity comes in is like the technology has changed over the years. We're in 20 where are we at we're in 2023 i'm gonna say 2013 we're in 2023 <laughs> i'm t- 10 years off oh no um technology is different now yeah you don't we don't know unless that fingerprint has like you said disintegrated there's nothing there exactly there's shouldn't be any reason they can't put it back in the set put it into codis and try and find a match i agree even if it is a partial or something yeah i definitely agree but that's just that just sucks. Like they actually found a fingerprint and they were like, oh, we got 100 million people in the database. Let's run it. And it was not one of them. So I wonder if it's someone that was her, their one and only murder or if there was more to it. There was like a couple stipulation or not stipulations, but like people were assuming that it could be a couple of different killers that were in the area around the time that were the torso killers. But they, I think they had like ruled that out that it was not them at all of them and someone even tried to say like Jack the Ripper and everything and I'm like well no the time frame wouldn't have been right so maybe a Jack the Ripper uh copycat but it's yeah Jack the Ripper wouldn't the time frame isn't correct in the area the area isn't correct no. so I'm like no I don't think that's it but yeah um so surprisingly about 60 people confessed to the murder. Of course. Like, all these motherfuckers. Um, most of them being men. But a few women, too. I don't understand that. <laughs> Why confess to something you didn't do? I don't know. I don't know. Because I'm like, well, maybe it's your 15 minutes of fame. Maybe. Like, especially back in the 40s, there was the the rush to get to Hollywood and become famous. Like, that was but what it was all about. you want to become famous for that? I mean, you can't make it uh, on the big screen, darling. You can make it in the front headlines of the newspaper, I guess. I don't know. I mean, for murdering someone. Hey, I don't know. I mean, it's not my cup of tea, but whatever. The mindset of people. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, so out of those 60, only 24 people were considered to be viable suspects by the LA district attorney. Sorry about that, guys. I think my husband's home. So most of the 24 people have been dismissed, but only 10 remain as viable suspects. And to this day? To this day. How how are they still viable suspects with no... Well, there's been like one case where one girl came forward and swears up and down it was her dad. That was the killer. Like she said she saw everything happen. But then they checked it out and they like there's missing pieces, but it's a possibility that it could be true. And she had it. Um, the reason why it's not hold, held accountable is because when she confessed that she had seen everything, it was during like a recess memory session with like a therapist so they weren't able to put it on the board because it's like 
it was new and upcoming, which now, I mean, that is a big thing is being able yeah. to, you know, unlock so, those repressed memories. So, yeah, I mean, like, who killed the Black Dahlia and why? It, it is definitely um, a mystery that has haunted L.A. since the 40s. And as we've all concluded here, the murderer has never been found. And given with how much time has passed by, probably never will be. I mean, we did find the Golden State Killer with DNA and stuff like that, but there was no DNA besides fingerprints. And fingerprints can eventually not be usable anymore. Yeah. You know, and depending on what the material it's on, that material breaks down. Yeah. So we never know, though. Like, Like I said, with all the advanced tech we have now, we could find the murderer of the Black Dahlia and be able to finally lay her story to rest. I mean, well, it will never be fully to rest. We'll always be talking about it because it is a very intriguing story. But yeah, but we'll actually have a killer by then. Right. But you never know. Just like Zodiac is still out there. Mm -hmm. There's another one on the East Coast that is still unsolved. Yeah. I don't remember which one it was. There's so many out there. So many out there. In fact, I want to, this was one of, the cases, you know, of a missing person or not missing person, um, of somebody that was killed that's unsolved. But I do want to do a couple like missing person cases soon. So if anybody has any suggestions, um, we'd love to bring some awareness to it. Yeah. One that I want to do and it's a trigger for a lot of people is the Amber one. Yeah. You were talking about that started Amber Alert. Yeah. That would be a huge one. Um, I know, I don't know if anybody here knows anything about the Brandon Lawson story, but I heard that they found articles of his clothing and possible bones recently, um, but they don't know if it was his or not. So praying for his family and, you know, just hopefully they get some sort of closure in that case too, because that's a crazy one, total crazy one. Um, but yeah, you guys, that's another one in the books for you, The Black Dahlia. Uh, thank you for listening to me stutter and lose my place all the way through it and say, um, about 27,000 times. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but yeah, um, in the meantime, we hope you guys keep listening. We hope you guys send in your listener stories. Um, Michaela is going to give you all the deets on where you can find us. So you can send your listener stories into beautyandcrime22 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Crime in the Dark. And uh, check out our Etsy page at Crime in the Dark. Yes, if you heard me talking about the sweats in the last episode, I'm telling you guys, I gotta throw them in the washer tonight, but I'm probably gonna be back in them tomorrow. So... Yeah, you should check them out. They're really comfortable. Last weekend. <laughs> oh, that's heavy. It's heavy. But yeah, um, we hope you guys have a great evening and we will talk to you next time. Have a wonderful night and keep it creepy. Always. Yeah, I'm gonna have a red.